Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. Now, throughout that period, you were seen um, as a, a politician who was more focused on national matters, um, unlike a lot of TDs. And you do tell a story that was recounted to you uh, about one of the ultimate constituency politicians, Willie O'Dea, uh, the day after uh, an election. Yeah, well, it was the morning after a count. Um, and the count had gone on until, I think, about 11 o'clock at night. Before uh, was uh, completed, as one of the general elections, I can't remember which one. Sometime in the eighties, anyway. <coughs> and um, the following uh, morning, I got a phone call from uh, uh, who said to me, "You're not going to believe this." He said, um, <laughs> "I just see Willie O'Dea and two red with it uh, out uh, canvassing uh, a housing estate." And they appeared to be canvassing for the next general election. Uh, and I thought to myself, my God, you know, how, uh, how could somebody, uh, you know, want, want to do that? Mm. Uh, like he had uh, just been elected, I thought, you know, nice. no. I could relax, you know. Now, people would be a few days at least. A few days at least. People would be aware that um, your life was under threat at various points, and you needed guard of protection. Um, what about your family? Because obviously, the the life of a, a politician who is down the country in terms of his constituency and in Dublin is is a split one. You must have been very worried uh, for uh, your wife and children, uh, and they must have been very worried too during that time. Well, the kids were so young when I was in, in justice, really, that uh, not all of them, in fact, were born at that time. And the, the ones, there were four, I think, who were. Um, but uh, they were so young. They weren't terribly conscious of what was going on. But, uh, and and uh, there were always guards just, uh, around our house. And um, that's, um, you know, they, they quite, quite a number of guards uh, all the time. And um, day and night, so... And the guards, uh, if, if protests and marches and things were coming to the house, as they did from time to time, well, the guards would, would uh, uh, make sure that my wife and children were, were taken away out of it beforehand. And uh, that happened on uh, uh, several occasions. Uh, but it is a worry because it was, you know, a constant thing. And I wasn't in Limerick as uh, all that much. Uh, and um, it was uh, it was unpleasant. It was difficult. And of course, my wife's uh, uh, home and their, our family's business in the north, because she was from uh, Oma in County Tyrone, uh, that was blown up. And um, when it was rebuilt about a year later, it was blown up again uh, by the provost. Uh, so you know, it was a very unpleasant time for her and for. Uh, our family. You also refer in the book to two friends of yours, uh, the late Detective Garda, Jerry McCabe, and Detective Ben O'Sullivan, who was also injured uh, in that shooting in Adair in 1996. Uh, I do, because I, I knew the two very well. They, they used to drive me around a lot. Uh, after I'd been in Justice, um, uh, and I was then in opposition, 
the guards uh, decided that I had to have protection for, I think it was three or four years after that. And I didn't have a state car, but I had a police car that used to bring me around. And uh, that car, when I was in Limerick or that area, uh, was uh, driven usually by either Gary McCabe or uh, Ben O'Sullivan. And uh, the two of them always operated as a pair. Uh, one of them would drive. I was sitting in the front seat, and the other one was behind on the back seat with, a, uh, I think, a submachine gun on his knee. Uh, so um, I got to know them very well, as you can imagine. And uh, the last time I met the two of them was in, in a dare itself. Um, by a strange coincidence, um, a couple of months before uh, they were shot, um, and uh, it, it was a meeting of the British-Irish parliamentary body, and it's been held in a dare manner. And um, uh, there were a lot of guards there, and I saw the two of them. They were sitting on the stairs. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, overlooking the kind of lobby there at the front. And uh, I went over to talk to them. And I said to, uh, to Jane, okay, my God, you've an awful big force uh, here today. Uh, because there were a lot of British politicians there. And um, I, I I said to him, you don't need them in the dare. Sure, nothing ever happened to the dare. And uh, he said to me, um, oh, no, Dare is all right. He said, but it's, uh, it's the boys down the road in Patrick's well that we have to keep our eyes on. And um, two months later, um, in a dare, uh, the boys from Patrick's well achieved what they wanted to achieve. Okay, Des, um, stay with us, please, briefly. I just want to talk a little bit about the I Stand By the Republic speech and the no, foundation. We're, we're, we're half an hour I, on I, 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 I know, I know we are, Des, but, yeah, you, I know, but you were such a substantial figure. Give me another few minutes and then I promise I'll let you go, all right? Okay, right. Okay, okay. Des O'Malley's talking to us this morning about his book. Uh, Des, you were lobbied on behalf of the late Catholic Bishop of Limerick, Jeremiah Newman, on the subject of contraception, weren't you? Uh, yes. Well, that was when I was an independent after I'd been thrown out of Fianna Fáil. Um, and I was, because I was independent, I was uh, not subject to any whip and I was free to make up my own mind as to how I'd vote on any particular bill. And uh, Fianna Fáil uh, announced that they were um, strongly opposed to this bill that was being introduced. Uh, by the then Minister for Health, who was uh, Barry Desmond. And um, uh, having uh, examined the bill and considered it, I didn't see why I should vote against it, uh, because it uh, made sense to me. Um, You see, at the time, there was a rather ridiculous situation uh, that in order to purchase a condom, uh, you had to get a doctor's prescription. People nowadays can hardly believe that, but uh, that was, in fact, the law uh, in Ireland uh, at the time. And I thought that that should be changed and a more sensible approach taken to things. But uh, the then Catholic bishop, um, Jeremiah Newman, uh, was very strong about uh, that matter. And um, 
uh, he sent two people to me in successive days. One was a, a priest whom I knew well, um, and uh, a very nice man who was kind of apologetic from the start and uh, knew really what my response was likely to be. Um, but he had to go through the motions of talking to me because he'd been asked by the bishop to do it. And then the other uh, following day, actually, was a cousin of mine uh, uh, who had much the same approach. He said, I know perfectly well what you're going to tell me. But um, I, I've uh, been asked to do this, so I asked to, to do it. Um, so I told them that, uh, you know, I'd make up my own mind. The priest said that his lordship thought that uh, as a Catholic, I had to accept his uh, directions uh, as to what I should do. So I said, no, I didn't think that. I was uh, free to make up my, uh, made my own decision. Mm. Um, now, famously, you made the I Stand by the Republic speech in the doll, and that finally sundered well, that, that, that was at that time, yes, um, on, the, on that bill, actually. And uh, then I, I, uh, I, I, the second installment, as it were, of my expulsion took place because Mr. Roy was so annoyed about uh, the fact that I wouldn't uh, vote with him. Uh, that um, even though I was an independent, uh, that he, he then brought a motion to um, for the national executive, which he chaired, uh, to um, uh, expel me from the Tina Fall organization as a whole. Uh, so that was passed by a very big majority, and nine, nine people voted against him, uh, which was courageous because... Um, uh, even though the rule said that it should be by secret ballot, uh, he wouldn't allow secret ballots in his day, and uh, because he wanted to know uh, what everyone was doing yeah. and uh, bring pressure on them. And, and, and so you were, and famously the clip that people have seen so many times of P. Flynn coming out and saying that you had been uh, expelled from the Fianna Fáil organisation for conduct unbecoming, which is where the title of your memoir comes from. And when you heard subsequently, many years later, uh, P. Flynn's evidence to uh, a tribunal, did you think back to the day when he said you had been um, expelled from Fianna Fáil for conduct unbecoming? Uh, I did. I, that was inevitable. Um, um, but um, he, he uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he distinguished himself, I think, in certain respects. And um, I, I thought it was ironic that he was the one who uh, should announce to the nation uh, my my guilt uh, and my... Uh, improper conduct. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, you established the PDs uh, with a lot of support from Limerick and indeed around the country. How deeply do you regret the fact that the PDs are no longer on the scene, considering their contribution in a number of governments, uh, you know, to issues around tax, but many other issues too? Oh, well, I obviously, I, I regret very much that they're uh, no longer around, uh, but uh, the party lasted for uh, nearly 25 years, 24, I think. Um, and uh, it spent quite a lot of time in government. Uh, the majority, I think, of its time was in government. Uh, and perhaps that was uh, 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 the root of its problems and the, 
longer run because I think it was perhaps too long in government and needed to refresh itself in uh, in opposition. Uh, this was well after my time, but uh, uh, it it was a pity. Um, and uh, I, I was particularly conscious of it, I think, in at the last general election, 2011. Uh, there was really a need, I thought, for uh, a new party at that time that would uh, try to come to grips with uh, some of the problems that then existed. Uh, and uh, that still exists to a great extent. Um, but, did, but you have pointed out in your book that it would be much harder now for a new party to emerge because of revised rules. Uh, that, that, that is right. That, I say that in the book, you see, that they, the rules have changed because of all the corrupt things that went on uh, in the 80s. Uh, the rules began to be changed in the 90s then uh, when these tribunals were at hearing and people could hear the evidence and uh, know the facts. Uh, and uh, it was one of the things that uh, in particular happened was that uh, uh, the giving of any significant sum of money privately to a political party or to a politician uh, was forbidden. And that the uh, funding of uh, political parties and the politics uh, was to be carried out with public money, but based on uh, what you got at the previous general election. And if you didn't fight the previous general election, uh, you got nothing. And um, uh, that makes it very difficult indeed uh, to start a new party now. Uh, And I think that that's uh, a non-democratic situation if you can't form a new uh, party. Uh, in in this or in any other country, it would be undemocratic uh, because uh, part of the political process uh, is the ability to form parties uh, in order to achieve uh, certain objectives. Now, working in government with two Fianna Fáil Taoiseach as leader of the PDs, Charles Hockey and Albert Reynolds, which of them did you prefer in that context? Uh, well, certainly working in government, uh, it was much easier to work with Hoy than it was with Reynolds. And uh, uh, he, uh, Hoy was very keen at all times to keep his government in existence. Um, and the same didn't apply uh, with the other man. And Hoy had a very good understanding of how, how government uh, works and uh, how... Uh, parliamentary affairs work too. Um, now you dis- you call the book Conduct Unbecoming rather than a- I Stand By the Republic. And that's interesting because of where Conduct Unbecoming comes from. Why was that decision taken? <laughs> it was partly taken because the, the, the title I Stand By the Republic uh, was used by somebody else in a book a year or so ago. So I felt that um, some, uh, a journalist called the book uh, that he got together. He didn't, I think, write it, but it was the number of speeches that he gathered he, he, uh, uh, from the Dáil and elsewhere uh, that he, um, uh, he called that book, I Stand by the Republic. So I thought uh, that um, uh, I could hardly call uh, 
another one that year or so later. And I was also amused by the fact that Bill Clinton's book, for example, goes on forever. You've had such a varied life. We've barely touched on it uh, this morning. But your memoir is only 236 pages long. Um, it, it, it is. For, the, for this reason, I explain it in the introduction, is that it's, it's not history. It's uh, impressionism. It's my impressions of certain things that happened during my public life. And um, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to write history. History is, uh, you know, something that I think should ideally be written by historians uh, and in great detail. Uh, I don't go into that sort of detail um, in, in this book, but I give impressions, my impressions, uh, of what happened and uh, the taste that certain events left in my mouth and finally, um, uh, Des, um, when you look now at the modern political scene and you see Sinn Féin and its success uh, in the South uh, and its standing in the polls, uh, but also the recent crisis relating to Maria Cahill, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I'm uh, nervous um, at uh, the way that... Uh, Sinn Féin have been able to acquire support by a populist sort of platform uh, and not taking any account at all of uh, the problems that uh, exist in this country and, um, uh, you know, thinking that uh, we can just spend money like water uh, all the time. Uh, and um, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, people don't, don't uh, consider that uh, very deeply, perhaps. And they also do, are uh, uh, forgetting, uh, unfortunately, the sort of things that Sinn Féin imposed on so many people on this island over a period of between 30 and 40 years, and the death uh, and suffering uh, that were inflicted. Uh, on so many, and indeed we've seen uh, a reminder of that uh, very vividly uh, in the manner in which this uh, Miss lady, Miss Cal, has been treated. And we've seen that in the last few weeks, and I think it's worth reflecting on that. Uh, and it's worth, I think, uh, younger people, people under, say, 40, who mightn't have been totally aware of uh, what went on, uh, being reminded of it. And that was, in a sense, one of the functions of my book. Okay, Des, I was a very bold boy. I kept you on much longer than I should have, but uh, did. I did. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate your time, and of course, you know, you were such a figure nationally, but especially here in Limerick, that uh, I think there'll be a great appetite to read your really fascinating memoir, Conduct Unbecoming. And I thank you very much for joining us live this morning. It's hugely appreciated. Limerick today with Joe Nash on Live ninety five. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.